You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. My thesis is life comes rushing in to help us, that we don't have to do it alone. This is not something you have to do by brute force. There's a natural creative process. I'm sure Charlie Gilkey has talked about this on many, many of his podcasts. There is a natural creative process to life. And you right now, if you're asking the question, why bother? What's the point? It's too late in whatever way you think that that creative process has ended forever. And if it's ever going to start, it's all up to you. And that is a lie. It's not true. It's just your negativity bias and, you know, maybe disappointment and heartache and sadness speaking, which are totally normal. So what I want you to do is to genuinely get curious. That's the other side of the question. That was Jennifer Loudon, a return guest and the author of the new book, Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next. She joins me today to discuss how to get our bother on. That is, how we can find the spark to engage with and create what's next for us. If desire is a word that you're uncomfortable with, this episode may shift something for you. If you like this episode, you may also like the convo we had in episode 67. We'll link that up in the show notes. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Podcast. Um, I was delighted to get this book. I was even more delighted to read this book. <laughs> I'm glad you were delighted to read it. <laughs> and to sort of start out, you know, we sort of talked about this in the green room, and I was like, Looking at your body of work, I was like, is there a better Jen Loudon book? And I couldn't think of one. And so first off, congrats on creating your best work yet. Mm. But you also mentioned that you thought it was your best work, too. And I'm super curious about what is it about this book that you think makes it your best book? Well, I started publishing when I was in my 20s. So... I wanted to be somebody then, you know, and I was lucky enough to have my first idea be incredibly useful and well-timed and prescient. Is that how you say that word? Mm -hmm. I never know how to say that word. Um, And and then my next book, that was the Woman's Comfort Book. And the Couple's Comfort Book was literally a throwaway idea in my book proposal. I said to my, who became my editor and then later in years became my agent, I said, I could make this a series. Like that was how much thought I gave it before I put it in my book proposal. So a lot of my early career was predicated in responding to n- not the marketplace so much as trying to have a career and be somebody and be true to myself and do good research. So there was a lot of grappling with um, those kind of issues. And I think this book came out of such a long, dark, convoluted time that everything in it is so hard won. Um, So that's my best guess. And then, you know, I'm a slow learner, Charlie, and it took me this long 30 years to learn how to write. (laughs) I don't think that's fair. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fairness in that. Like I say that in all love for myself. I'm a really slow learner. And I took, I remember when I wrote my first book, my editor was like, "Mm, you can't really write very well. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for admitting that because I think, 
especially as it relates to books. People have so many just bad stories about what it means to be an author and mm-hmm. what it's like to write books and what it's like to be a thought leader. And I know when we say thought leader, some of us get all like weird about, it, but we don't have a better word than thought leader, right? When it Hopefully comes you're to thinking and leading. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're thinking and leading, um, the two requirements. But um, so thanks for admitting that because people, you know, I was talking to somebody about this earlier and they were in that pattern to where they were like getting ready to get ready. Right. They're like, well, I got an idea and I'm doing all this work and I'm sort of like getting ready to actually start like writing and getting to it. And I'm like, it seems like you're in this process where you're like waiting to be ready to be ready (laughs) Um, as opposed to just like just starting with what you have and seeing what goes from there. So um, and the other bit of homage that I want to give you here is. Not to date you, Jen, but we've talked about this in, in a previous conversation in episode 67 is you got in really, really early in the sort of women's self-care genre, right? Like that was I was the first popular book that was written about it. So Exactly. Yeah. And so Yeah, I that wanted, dates me. I'm 57, Charlie. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it on air. I mean, I think it's 57. Fun, right. Um useful but I just, 57. I, a very useful and prolific 57, it <laughs> turns out. Um and so yeah, you got in super early. And I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think we take for granted many of the conversations we have in this broader sphere without really respecting who did some work to make it a conversation. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I didn't uh, know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even all the better, right? Yeah. All the better. Um, and so I love, love this book for so many different reasons. Um, and I'm going to sort of start it, I guess, in the middle or in the end, because I was really curious about, challenged by, and inspired by your conversation around desire, because it's not mm-hmm. a space that I play in a lot or talk about a lot. Oh, no. Uh, yes, you do. You just use different words. Uh, true, true. But that word, I was like, ooh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what is it about this word? I know. I wanted to get rid of that word. Believe me. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about desire, because, you know, the subtitle, Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next. It's so mm-hmm. in there. Um, but I'm wondering how many people like apparently you too are going to see that word and be like, mm, I don't know really about this desire thing. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I write about in the book is we can choose different words, but they feel too weak for the call that I'm trying to elucidate in the book. And that is twofold. The first is from the title, Why Bother? And we all ask ourselves in our own ways, Charlie, we may not use the word why bother. We say, what's the point? Or it's too late. Or, you know, I'm getting ready to get ready (laughs) or whatever it is. But really fundamentally, we ask ourselves a question that we think we know the answer to. And the answer is no, there is no point. Yes, it is too late, right? So the first idea of the book to open the door to desire is to actually ask the question, what am I bothering about? Why am I bothering? Where am I not asking the question? Where do I think I know the cynical, resigned answer? And then the second part of it is to realize that in every regularly in life, we're going to lose our, let's call it our mojo instead of our desire. Let's call it our will to create, to live, to have a voice, to connect with people, to make our lives more. 
I mean, who hasn't been in a long-term marriage? Raise hand. I'm in my second long-term marriage, and this will be the last, just in case that sounded funny. And who hasn't been in that place of, is it really worth it to make this marriage better? We'll just coast. We are good. Who hasn't been in that position with their health or their business or their job? A friend of mine got an early copy, begged me for an early copy of the book. And she told me, like, she, she first she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, and tell me all these things. But then she stopped talking about it. And we would we were running together. We were training together. So I would be, you know, with her for two hours every Saturday. And, Awkward. Um, yeah, and finally, she was like, I, I, it challenges me too much because I don't want to bother yet about my job. I don't want to face that. And that's desire. That's the thing that's missing for a lot of us is we don't have the desire yet to make the change, to face, to, to open to more, to take the action. It's the missing element. And we can call it whatever we want, but I think most words are just too weak. So... Yeah, uh, there's my manifesto. <laughs> there's, there's your manifesto about desire. Well, I'm glad we went there because you're absolutely right. We use different language around them. Like I use uh, sometimes I'll play with the word like matterful, right? Like matterful, right? Because sometimes just like we get stuck about things, and at a certain point, it doesn't matter enough to us. It doesn't have mm -hmm. that matterful juice to it, mm -hmm. and so we don't change it. And sometimes. That's a choice that like I'm not engaging because it doesn't matter enough. But then yes. other times. Go ahead. Yes, you're allowed to make that choice. And I say that in the book repeatedly. I'm not forcing you to say everything you have to get your bother on about. But I want to back up for just a second because sometimes I think it's not matterful for us. And it would be if we had desire, period. That we can't make those choices until that flow of life and juice and engagement is happening. And what we do is we say, well, I've decided I don't, that's not going to matter to me. We go ahead and make the choice about the relationship, the health, the business, the job, whatever, before we're sort of saturated with that life again, um, that then would allow us to go, you know what, you're right. I'm going to stay in this job, even though it's, I'm like kind of phoning it in because I love the money and I love what the money allows me to do. Cool. But now I've got this life force flowing. Where am I going to use it? How am I going to engage with it and feed it? Okay. It's going to be in my community. I'm finally going to get involved with um, those, the kids that I really want to mentor, or I'm finally going to get involved with, you know, trail running and running half marathons at $4,500, $4,500 feet elevation gain, you know, whatever it is. Does that make sense to you? I think what I'm what I'm hearing is that um, there's sort of not two ways to think about desire, but there's the desire that's about something. It's outer directed about the job, about the sort of right. whatever. But then there's this internal. I like the Latin word animus because I'm nerdy mm -hmm. that way. But there's this animus for energy and change to happen somewhere, yeah. right? And sometimes we don't change the job, for instance, because we don't have enough of that internal animus, that mojo, mm -hmm. you know, that will to live, will to create in us. Mm -hmm. And it's not really about the thing. It's about us. That's exactly right. That's perfectly said. Would you please write that down for me? Because I'm going to say that in every podcast I do going forward. <laughs> and I'm not going to quote you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Good times, good times. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm glad we're having this discussion because I think, um, especially during the time we're, we're recording this during COVID, um, and a lot of people are going to be listening to this during COVID, I think there is several things going, there are several things going 
going on. One is when we look at the world around us and our jobs and things like that, um, it's about what I've experienced from people I've talked to is that about the things that matter most to us, about the things we really care about. Sometimes it's hard to get our bother on mm-hmm. because it seems like, oh, right now, like writing this book or starting this business or um, working in my backyard, it seems like a really like not important thing to be doing right now during a global pandemic. Like I should be doing something else. Like, I don't know, watch the news. <laughs> um, um but then there's also the, another bit of it is that's, a, I think, more about the shame and claiming what, what you're really desiring. Mm-hmm. But then the other side is about a resignation about all the things that you can't fix, mm-hmm. right? Um, and all of the whatever your complaint of the of this you know hour is about what's going on. We can't fix it, so why bother? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of see in this distinction that we're talking about is that that why the second why bother relates to our animus, our will to create our understanding that even during times like this, maybe especially during times like this, we need to be getting our bother on. Mm-hmm. Right. And the first part is about really claiming our desire and giving ourselves permission to have those desires and not shame and beat ourselves up about it. Does it make sense? Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. I'm taking you with me on all my podcast interviews from here on out. Um, my voice is suddenly going to get a little deeper. <laughs> Jen, I would totally sound like be- a young man, but really it's me. <laughs> yeah, I would totally be your podcast wingman. And also, I'm 40, so I'm not longer that yeah, young. I know we met when I was 30 or so, but um, times may be a-changing. Yes, yes. No, that's really true, and I think that... Um, Some people feel guilty right now if they are lucky enough to be sheltering in place and have enough to eat and, you know, all the good things that a lot of us do have um, to really claim that time um, and explore. And then it's really hard to focus. I'm I'm hearing a lot from, you know, it's so hard to focus. And I think that maybe in the next phase, depending on how long we all stay on lockdown and what that looks like, I think the next phase may be that focus starts to return. But I think if we can animate it with that call to what is, what do I really desire to create here? And can I let it not be about the product or where it's going to get me, right? Because we've heard so much of that at the beginning of the pandemic, learn a language, score a symphony, <laughs> you know, uh, if I heard one more masterclass ad, <laughs> I think I was yeah. going to stab somebody. And so if it's less about that driven, as you said, exterior, external motivation, and if it could be more about reacquainting ourselves with desire, with intrinsic motivation, that could be a very, at the very least, very recharging uh, out product of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think think now is the perfect time for a lot of mini projects, Mm. uh, because I think um, as I've been talking to folks, when it comes to big projects like books and businesses and nonprofits and everything, like people are like, I can't focus, but maybe I can write 300 words or maybe mm-hmm. I can write a blog post. Like, for instance, I realized last week for myself, um, you know, I'm working on my next book concept and proposal and things like that. And you'll get what I'm saying as, a, as an author. There's a lot of like think working happened, but not a lot of write working happened. <laughs> right. Um, and I was writing a bunch of other stuff. I was like, what is it? And I was like, Oh, it's just that this is the type of project that, re- that I can't slide into for 15 minutes and uh-huh. do something. 
like I actually have to sit down and focus um, for enough time to, to grapple with it. And that's why I'm struggling with it as opposed to all this other writing that I can get in and get out of super quick. Um, and, it's a and, really important distinction. I just want to call out that you made a couple. One is that a lot of the writers I work with, which that's a small part of my business is they don't think that they don't credit thinking as writing time. And it is. And just this, there's such a, popular concept that you have to have a word count or a page count or it, there's pro parts of projects that are a, a lot about synthesizing and reading and thinking for every every genre but then the other thing is I love the idea that if you can't think big right now or you can't think deep because your focus is is fragmented to think quick short fast that's brilliant Oh, thank you. Um, didn't, didn't mean for it to be, but that anim that animus has to go somewhere, and that's where we keep talking. That it desire, does. yes, it has to go somewhere. It has to be expressed. It has to be lived. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, in start finishing, I, I called the. I, I talked about creative constipation. And creative constipation is when you have a bunch of ideas and you have a bunch of sort of, you know, plans and things, but you're not moving on them. And mm -hmm. at a certain point, you get stuck, you get backed up and like physical constipation. It's not good. Right. <laughs> and so um, that's where, you know, when it, what we're talking about right now, when it comes to desire, well, Jen's not talking about constipation, to be clear. Charlie is talking about <laughs> constipation. I'm not going to put that on you in that way. But, uh, <laughs> <Thanks>. uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, we have to move this energy. Yes. Um, because if it doesn't go out, it goes in. Yep. And that's one of the, I mean, there's so many ideas about that in the book, including the fact that we have to let desire flow in our bodies. We have to let ourselves feel alive. And sometimes that means getting up and not sitting so much. Sometimes it means dancing or putting on music or letting yourself make noise. You know, we do this at my retreats and it's always the thing that's that's hardest for some people, but that'll be the thing at the end of the week, they check in and say, that was the most life-changing thing for me because you're letting it be, it's, it's life force. It needs room. It needs space. If you could see me, everybody, I'm gesturing very widely with my arms. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it reminds me, Angela, a couple of weeks ago, she was like, Charlie, like I got a crazy idea. And I'm like, okay. Like I've learned to say yes to whatever her crazy idea is. Um, even though she thinks it's crazy. And she's like, I want to do a dance party with PF. And I'm like, wait, wait, what now? Yeah. Um, it's something I, Charlie would never. <laughs> but I was like, let's do it, right? Let's figure it out. And so we're, that's happening, you know, 90 minutes after we're recording right now. That's and, great. Uh, and so as you were dancing and flailing, I was like, yeah, I'm that guy <laughs> that would never show up to a retreat and be like, I'm here for the dancing. Right. Uh, but every time at the end of it, I'm like, I'm glad I showed up for the dancing. Yes. Um, yes. So we've been playing a lot with bothering and asking the question, why bother? And to get more, I guess, rigorous and how you talk about it in the book, you give two different ways or, that we can understand that question and the different sort of um, the different sort of ways in which it makes a difference. So what are those two ways and, and why does it make a difference? Well, I, I alluded to it a little bit ago, kind of jumped the gun on that question, but that we ask it as if we know the answer. And that's really, if anybody takes anything away from this interview, y'all, it is just listening. Where are you pretend asking? What's the point? Why bother? And you're immediately answering the question, either verbally or to the person you're talking to, or you're making your case why it's not possible. There's no point. It's too late. Or you're doing it internally, or you're even doing it with how you clench your body up, right? 
So when that comes up, when we think we know the answer, that is the absolute opportunity to turn the question around and really bravely vulnerably, genuinely get curious. I wonder, I wonder if it's not too late. I wonder if there was a point. I wonder if I could use this time during the pandemic. Now, I'm not saying it's it's easy, but if we can even open the door a little bit, my thesis is life comes rushing in to help us, that we don't have to do it alone. This is not something you have to do by brute force. There's a natural creative process. I'm sure Charlie Gilkey has talked about this on many, many of his podcasts. There is a natural creative process to life. And you right now, if you're asking the question, why bother, what's the point, it's too late in whatever way, you think that that creative process has ended forever. And if it's ever gonna start, it's all up to you. And that is a lie. It's not true. It's just your negativity bias and, you know, maybe disappointment and heartache and sadness speaking, which are totally normal. So what I want you to do is to genuinely get curious. That's the other side of the question. To genuinely get curious. And I love what you said that, like, once you make the decision, it's not that it's all you. Um, And there's a way that, like, I think if we're paying attention and we are curious and we are wonder-full about things, we see the myriad ways that the people around us, the universe around us, like whatever is around us starts rallying behind mm. the, com- the commitment we just made. Like mm-hmm. if we pay attention, right? But it comes to that question, like if we're looking for us to have to do it solo, guess what we find? Right. Us, ourselves having to do it solo. If we ask the question, why bother? In the way that you first mentioned, we end up getting um, restrictive answers that don't actually mm-hmm. help. Right. right. We, we find the evidence we want. We find that, you know, we confirm our bias. There is no point. There is no point. Why bother? I don't matter. It's it's too late. I'm too yeah. old, right? Someone's already done it. Why Like why me? Like yeah. all the questions. Right. That we all hear, that we all say. And, I, and total confession. So we, we, this book, I didn't write a book for 11 years. This book has had so many incarnations that completely freaking failed. So much heartache, so much rejection. And when it's time to launch it, what happens? A pandemic. So intense city book tour canceled. We couldn't get the media's attention if I ran naked down the street, you know, nothing. And so I have been grappling with my own why bother around the launch of my book. And, you know, it is ironic and hysterical and it pisses me off because I'm like, really? I just have to keep reading my own book over and over again. But I I am discovering, Charlie, and I'm not saying this is in any way a pleasurable discovery, although maybe at its core it is, that I keep bothering because I have served and created something that I deeply believe in. And it's not that I don't want the book to get out there, and it's not that I still don't have high hopes and all of those things, but that I'm able to keep detaching from my bias that this sucks and there's no point, and I should just give up. And I just want to cross my arms over my chest and just, it's not fair, it's not fair, things didn't go the way I want. Yeah, that's true. And I can keep returning to this deep feeling of, yeah, but I'm not giving up on this book. Because I bother about it. Because it's what I bother about. It's not that I, I, I can't bother about the outcome. Because you're I, nodding. <laughs> I, I love that. On, well, let's get real here. Because there are some books that we write. There are some things that we create in the world that it's a 
expression or an instantiation of us in a way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's there's, and this one had that feel for it, right? I feel like it reminded me of our good friend uh, Michael Bungay Stanier's "The Coaching Habit," mm. and I say that from a from a place of love and appreciation and admiration, because there was a um, fierceness in the work mm-hmm. that it was like it's here. This is what it is. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. About mm-hmm. all the sort of stuff that can happen in publishing and things like that. Like this is the book that I was meant to write in the way that I meant to write it. And it, mm-hmm. it rings super true in that way. Um, and so obviously as someone who has been preparing to um, have a discussion with about it, I also had some of the palities for you in the sense of like, man, that really sucks. <sighs> Right, that this book is coming out right in the middle of this pandemic. So all of the different keys that we have in publishing, like it's hard to get attention. It's not only is the Trump news cycle bad enough, now we got the, mm, right. the pandemic I news know. cycle on top right. of that. Right. Um, and I'm, I was just like, oh man, that's, hmm. And I know you and Michael also have a book coming out in in close um, process. Yeah, Michael had his, his follow-up come out uh, a few weeks before, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I interviewed him. I did interview him for that. So mm-hmm. both of you, right? It's, mm-hmm. what, is, what is time right now? Um, but it had that to that. And so um, thanks so much for speaking to how it feels when um, you put something out there and just the conditions, the soil, the weather is not right for it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how you remain in the fight with it. Yeah, and you do. And, you know, and I'll tell you, there's been plenty of days that I've quit at 2 or 2.30 and went and taken went and taken and gone and had a nap. Um, I've been eating a lot of toast. <laughs> you know, uh, there's definitely been ways that I've been, um, you know, like I can't take it anymore. Uh, I can't take the feeling that it's hard for me and my personality to feel invisible. For, um, and so feeling invisible has been really hard. Um, but I also can tap into that deep feeling of, yeah, I'm not giving up. I'm going to reconnoiter and figure out what's next. Yeah. And um, I, I just feel you so much on that, sister, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what it would feel like. I'm having that empathetic moment where I'm like, oof. Like, what would I do in that scenario? Uh, to be fair, like, the day Start Finishing came out is when I think they launched the Mueller probe. Um, and so, so you've like, been dealing with it, too. Yeah, I've been dealing with it, too. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess there went that. Um, <laughs> so sorry, but not truly, right? Because it still has done really well. It's just like how um, – and this – I. No, this is not book specific. This is life mm-hmm. specific, mm-hmm. right? Um, how do you find the desire or the bother when your first step either internally didn't go the way that because you just didn't show up in the right way or because the conditions are right? Like, how do you put that additional force back on it? Yeah, um, I think you have to tap. I think there's one thing is is not is to check our expectations and our stories about what we think was supposed to happen, right? And, and that's very easy for me to get carried away and in, in all of these fantasies about all the good things that were going to happen because I've had that experience with other books. So it's checking those, it's greeting those, it's letting go of those, it's seeing them for what they are. They were just possibilities and they were possibilities that didn't happen, but that doesn't mean anything went wrong or anything, anybody owes me anything or, or that I did anything wrong. So separating that out is important. And then finding that desire again, like what is the desire that I have? My desire writing this book all along has been to help those people that we all meet and that I have been that are giving up. 
and say, no, you never have to give up. It may not look the way you want and it may not look like what you had before, but it can be satisfying and rich and amazing. And it can be more than it is now, always, always, always. So I just have to keep feeling that. I love that. I love that. Um... I'm going to share this. May I know you're the elder author here with as many books as you've you've written, um, but I I kept for my launch having to come back to you know what at any given point in time when I thought it was going one way or it wasn't going the way I wanted to like two two weeks or a month later I got additional information that told me at that time it was doing way better than I thought it was doing. That's good. I'm gonna not hold on to that because then that will become my fantasy. (laughs) But the idea that everything is changing. And the other idea that I'm I'm sure you are subscribing to is the book launch model is a really outdated model. It is a model that has become very um, pointless in a lot of ways. And it's actually another model that is of a, a system that we could call a broken privilege system. You know, people who buy their bestseller status basically and you know, anyway, not to bang anybody, but this to me, what happened with my other books, they became, they sold hundreds of thousands of copies over time, over years. You know, I've sold almost a million copies over 19 years. Yeah, it'd be great if it was in a year. Sure, I'd love that. But so what? I'd also like a solid gold toilet. It's an oddly specific want, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know, it was back to the movies. Um, <laughs> uh, goal, what were the, the, the Austin Powers movies? <laughs> um, yeah, so um, to sort of pull us yes. pull us out of Bookland, which I took us there. Um, so easy to do with authors, so thanks, everyone. Um, I think what I'm hearing in my head is the yeah, but that, that you know, someone will say, like, I'm stuck right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine how to start bothering, mm-hmm. right? How to start like even engaging in this whole conversation because COVID or because my last thing or because whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want to hear about disappointment, Jen? I'll tell you about disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how how do I get the energy to take even the first step in that process? Well, I I brought together a model that has different steps in it. And the idea of the steps is not that they're linear or that you complete them ever, but just to give you some distinctions. And I did that because one of my beta readers, who's a very well-known self-help writer, read an early version. And she said, I'm in a why bother time, which I didn't know. And she's, I want to know it's going to be okay. I'm really scared. So the first step is leave behind. And we have to start looking at what is it that we're holding on to that is keeping us from having even that iota of energy, that iota of matter. What do you call it? Matterfulness? <laughs> yeah. Matterfulness. I love that. I love made up words. Um, what are you holding on to? Well, I can't be happy because I didn't want the divorce. That was my story. I can't be happy because I'm out of work right now. I, not happy, but, you know, get my bother on. Be curious. We don't even have to go to happy. You know, what are you holding on to about how things are supposed to be? Just like me and my book launch. I'm not saying you're going to go, poof, it's gone. But if you can begin to see what is it that you are so sure because you can't have it because it's been taken from you, it's ended, you're holding on to it even though you hate it, that's the first place to start. That's the first place a little bit of energy gets in. The next place is in the next stage, ease in. And that really is where we start to claim our agency again. That 
we have choice. I'm not, I, I make the case very strongly that the self-help world has sold us a bill of goods that we have so much choice. We are part of a very large system. It is not a just system. Um, it is a system that makes it difficult for many of us to bother. But even within those places and, and strictures that we all experience in different ways, we have the choice to claim that our desires, our, what we're curious about, what we want around matters. And the other thing is, Charlie, is that we don't have to wait to feel, like you were saying earlier, we don't have to wait to feel ready. We don't have to wait to feel on fire. That's bull. <laughs> you know, we just a yeah. little trickle of something that says, oh, I really just want to go for a, a, let's pretend, a walk on the beach. <laughs> let's pretend. <laughs> Follow that. Follow that. So it begins to cook a little bit, and then we can begin to um, go into the other stages that lead us all the way through. But the whole point of the book is to get your energy, right? The whole point of the process is to find your desire again. So it's it's normal and fine that you don't have any now. Follow along and you'll get it. <laughs> I think I want to underscore, emphasize, asterisk, cosign that um, in, in the sense of, I think when people hear us talking about desire or passion or animus or will or thing like that, or they're thinking in like super big terms, like, yes. like there's going to be, you wake up one morning and there's just this bonfire of energy that's driving you towards everything. And I think the more you're in the game, it's just like you, it's like a little flicker of a match that you're like, that's all I got but I'm going to run with that. And yes. it, then it turns into something. Right? Yeah. And then, and it flickers and grows and, you, and then you hit a roadblock and when, and there, and then we get to go back to leave behind. What am I leaving behind about my picture of how things were supposed to look on the launch day of my book? It's yeah, it's not, we have such an image in America, especially that everything is instantaneous, clear, big, bold, no ambivalence. No, there will still be ambivalence. There can be desire and ambivalence side by side. And I think there can be desire and difficulty. Side yes, side of side. course. Right. Yes. And the reason I want to say that is because, again, I think the myth of desire, the myth of sort of what we're talking about is like it's a stroke. It's this huge fire, and then things are easy after that. Right? Mm, yes, yeah. No, ain't so. Right? Well, that's why I wanted to say that, you know, the book launch isn't going the way I want, or, the, uh, you know, because it's not about books. It's about, yeah, so now there's difficulty. Okay, girl, are you going to read your own book and use your own ideas? Or are you going to think that, oh, well, I, I did everything I was supposed to do, so it should work. Yeah, and though Jen is like – making the baby noise about this again. This is 11 years in the process. Yeah. Right. Is, <laughs> right. I know that's the other thing, Charlie, though. I'm like, I worked so hard for this and I've, got, I've bounced back from disappointment so many times. Don't I get a payoff? <laughs> when is it coming? Man? When is it coming? Come on. I was, yeah. I've been really good. God, I've been yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a song. I forget um, what it, the full thing, but it reminds me of the, the verse is how many dues must I pay? He's talking mm -hmm. about like the suffering and things. Like, how yeah. many dues must I pay for me to get over this thing? Right. But it, it's so important that you bring this up, Charlie, because we have a lot of these are societal stories that we have taken in and woven into our personality. Our personality is made up maybe 93 or 95 percent 
of everything that we've absorbed in our life and are absorbing right now. We don't like that story. We like to think we're unique and individual. And, you know, maybe not the science is showing. Who knows? We'll see. You know, the science is still changing. But if I take that and kind of step back and not take it so personally that I think everything should be easy or I work hard and I should be rewarded or some of the other stories I've taken on, then I have more room to respond to what's here now, to enjoy this conversation with you, to love the fact that my girlfriend sent me flowers today, you know, instead of going, well, I thought I'd be on the Today Show. I didn't get, I you know, I wanted money, you know? I do know. I do. And I appreciate that. I, I, I think the point we're talking about here, just to underscore it, is don't do the capital D desire thing, mm. right? Right. And look at these small, like the friends sending you flowers, the moments like that, because I think those become the baseline of, you know, getting from bothering to wonder or getting from, you know, wonder to thriving. Right. Mm -hmm. Is is the accumulation of those small things that you have to look for. And part of looking for it, it goes back to your first step, though, um, Jen, is like letting go of the story about what it was supposed to be. Right. Or what? Because I think. We hang on to that story so much that we can't see the greatness that it is. Yeah, there's a story in the book about a moment in a a long, dark time in my life that I write about in the book several times. And when I started asking myself, what's good right here, right now? What's good right here? And I realized I was the one who was turning away from what was good. You know, I was the one who was deciding it wasn't enough. So in many ways, I think the answer to how do we bother, how do we get the energy is in every single moment, if we're willing to let it in and collaborate with it. You mentioned six different steps here. Um, You went to, I think, three or four of them. We've talked about four of them. Um, In case you're curious, the fifth one is become by doing. The sixth one is be seen with the fourth one being desire, which we talked about. Um, Of those six, which are the ones that challenge you the most? Today. Today or generally? Generally. Hmm, Good question, Charlie Gilkey. I would say in some ways being seen, step number six, is still a challenge for me. I'm not, I've always been very comfortable being seen on stage, so to speak, but not so much being seen in with my friends or in my community, my, you know, my not, Jen's not a special person. Jen's just one of us community. That's still hard. And I found some of that coming up around this book because, and this is go right ahead and laugh because this just shows how short term my thinking can be. But I'm writing this book that has a lot of very, very personal stories. And one day somehow, you know, after it was done and we were in the final stages of design and everything, I went, oh my God, my friends are going to read this. And they're going to know all these things about me. And just for the record, y'all, we moved to Colorado less, a little about almost five years ago. And so these are new friends still, you know, we have four and a half, five years now together. And we have got made some really amazing friendships, but they don't know all my dirty laundry. They don't know all that bad stuff. And when they started to read the book, some, a few of them have read some of it already. I was like, oh my God, that's really being seen. So that's still an edge for me. This is sort of a tag on to that question, which of the steps provide the most um, desire for you once you sink into it? I would say um, 
Step three, settle, as in settle down. When I can find that stillness, when I can make time to get away from work, to-do list, especially before the pandemic, when I can um, run, trail run by myself. And then there's a spot on one of the trails that I love. It's my turnaround point. And I'll go and just, I'll turn off my watch and I'll just go sit down on a rock. It's this big rock with a beautiful view, but it's hidden from the trail. And I just can sink into such stillness there. And it's not, you know, if the people go by on the trail, they're a little bit far away. And that is probably um, that, that practice meditation that was, is what opens the door to desire for me the most and journaling. That's fantastic. On that same sort of thread, I think it could be really useful for us to, I think, get out of our heads and thought patterns about bothering and not mm-hmm. bothering and sort of look at our behavior and say, if I'm doing that, it's probably some sort of correlation mm-hmm. with my bothering or I'm in a bo- I'm in a not bothering state. So I'm just curious, um, do you have any sort of things where you sort of catch yourself and you're like, oh, I'm doing the thing. And then sort of what's your pivot point? I would say the thing is um, not settling enough, not getting quiet enough, staying here in the, I say, I say, assume the position. <laughs> Right. So it's in my desk chair in front of my computer. And it's like, well, I'm doing something, you know, I'm checking things off that to me, if a few days go by of that and no deep work time, no creating time, no creating for the joy of it time, everything is about being productive. That's my dead giveaway. Now, my pivot point always has to involve my body. And what I say a lot when I teach retreats is the body's the fastest way in. The body for me, I'm a very kinesthetic, instinctual person, but I can totally become a stick, a head on a stick, right? Just I'm here, I've assumed the position, all I am is a head. I'm a head with headphones right now. And so it, it requires me to dance or to run by myself to, you know, maybe chant music like, like Krishna Das or something that you would not, that I don't usually run to. It requires... Um, you know, going to that rock, being by myself, something like that. And a lot of times I will put it off. I will be like, I don't want, it's almost like I don't want to turn the bother on. I don't want to turn the desire on again. There's an ache to it that is sometimes hard to face. What's the story that keeps you in the seat? Mm, That's so good. Um, it's, It's hard for me to describe. It's more of a feeling than a story, but it's known. That's what I would say. It's known. I know what to do. So even if I'm scratchy and surfacy and bored, I'm there's a familiarity to it, right? So my brain is happy in that familiar place, even though it's my soul is deeply unhappy. So I would say it's a it's a groove that keeps me there. And then the story that gets me out is more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so who is? And I know this may be difficult because being seen with your friends is what you just mentioned can be challenging. Um, And feel free not to mention their names if you need to. But who is a person that catches you sort of in that blind spot moment where you're doing the thing? And how do they help you? I don't know that there is a person. If there is, it's Bob, my husband. Um, And I think a lot of times he's afraid to say anything to me because he's afraid that I might little bite his little head off. So maybe sometimes my dog who stays very close to me is a good reminder to get up and do something. He'll come and, you know, 
Not as much as when he was younger. And I used to have two of them and they would come and be like, enough, get up. And we are not leaving you alone. You must get up. We are tired of this. But he's a little, one died and the other one's old now. Um, so yeah, Bob are the dogs. I don't know that anyone else can really get in this room with me like that. Okay, cool. Well, and the reason I wanted to say that is because I think we underemphasize the people in our community and in our world mm-hmm. that can help, that can catch us with that. Like mm-hmm. Angela is a perfect sort of person for me in that way. Cause she'll come in and like, it's one of those, I know it's a cultural sort of joke, but like, she is always right about mm-hmm. what, I, what I should do in that moment. She's like, maybe you should go for a walk. She knows not to tell me like, go for a uh-huh. walk. Cause I'd be like, no, <laughs> right? Uh, right. she's like, maybe you should go for a walk. And I've just encoded that as like, I should go for a walk. She's mm-hmm. right. I don't know why she's right. She just mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. But like, for instance, when I'm in the moment that you're talking about, like we're just sitting there kind of grinding and white knuckling at the computer. I look silly, but it's like, I stand up, I put my hands in the air and I walk out of the office, mm-hmm. right? Because I know- Surrender. I don't, yeah. Well, it's a surrender, but it's also, I know if my hands are down, then I'm probably going to touch something or pick up something or I'm going to uh, do something that yeah. keeps me anchored right. where I'm just like, okay, I'm the idiot with my hands in the air walking out of the office. But you know what? Like it works it. every time, right? I love like, nope. it. Right. And it's uh, a habit then, right? And it's a cue to your body and Yep, just stand up, put your hands up in there and walk out of the office. Mm-hmm. Right? Um and so yeah, we I think um so many of us, so many people that that have talked to me about this have like beat themselves so much about falling off the horse or getting into mm-hmm. these moments like they shouldn't and like they're somehow uniquely defective and I'm like, "No, I think our continual practice when it comes to bothering or doing this sort of stuff is just learning that we always have the chance to get back on the horse. Yeah. The last chapter is called always begin again. And I used Mm -hmm. to always tell the story when I taught about, and this is particularly for writers. I'd be like, you're gonna, you've been on this retreat. You've gotten all this work done. You have all these high hopes for what it's going to look like when you get home. And it might look like that for a day. It might look like that for two weeks. And then you're going to forget and you're not going to write one day. You're not going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to start to doubt your project or whatever it looks like. And the magic words are begin again. And and I had a I had a student. She used to come a whole bunch of my retreat, retreats, and she decided she wasn't a writer. She was a photographer, and she said, "Oh, but I'm a Benedictine oblate, and we say the story from Saint Benedict is always begin again." And I love that because always it's baked in, right? That you're going to fall off the horse. You're going to forget the habit. You're going to work too long. You're going to yell at your kids, whatever it is. And there's such humble humanity in that. There's such humble humanity and human scaledness. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to begin again. And the more we can take the shame out of it and the beating ourselves up, every bit of research shows the easier it is to begin again. Absolutely. Begin again, always begin again, always start finishing. We're saying the same thing in the sense of like, this is who, what it means to be human in a way like that is uniquely about us is that we're always creating and changing the world. And, um, you know, what's uniquely fascinating about us is we create new realities. We're the only species that does that. Right. As far as we know, as far as we know on earth, as far Mm -hmm. as we know, unless there's a deep, something deep in a trench, we don't know about in the ocean. Um, that's what I'm hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be a trip? Um, books, are never really finished. There's just a period in which you got to be done with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what key thing have you learned after writing the book that needed to be in the book? And what would you like to share with our readers or with our listeners about that? Hmm. I, 
really wish I would have written a section about how to bother during a pandemic. <laughs> but since I didn't see that coming, uh, I think that uh, the idea that that not feeling the energy in the beginning, not knowing, thinking there's something wrong because you don't feel the energy. I would have put more of a focus on the energy, I think, really answering that energy question like we did here. Um, yeah, a bunch of other ideas I started to collect because I'm going to do a five-day coaching course for people who bought the book as a, you know, uh, and then we'll turn that into something we give people for free. But the whole, you know, on the, on our list. So I've been compiling those ideas. All the rest of them have fallen out of my head, Charlie. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got them out of your head. So that, right. Yeah. They, I could go look at my notes and tell you, but right now I'm like, Oh yeah. The only thing I can think of is energy. There was an energy question. <laughs> that is fantastic. And to sort of start wrapping things up here as the guest to today's episode, you get to leave our listeners with an invitation or a challenge, depending upon what res most resonates with you. So based upon what we've talked about, what would you invite or challenge our listeners to do? You know, my intention with the book, even though it's a self-help book, my highest intention is to companion you as you figure out how and if you want to bother differently. And so that's my invitation. How can you be companioned by me, by the book, by a friend, by a coach, by Charlie, by this podcast to know you're not alone, that there's nothing wrong or broken, there's nothing that needs to be fixed. And that if there's questions about what's the point, it's too late, who cares, it's already been done. That's so beautiful because it really is this invitation to start digging deeper into what you desire and cleaning out that, that spring, if you will, so the desire can flow again. And to let go of needing the answers right now, because the answers are really, they're just stopping spots along the flow of life. And instead, let that life flow again. And let yourself be companioned. There's so many people and ideas and books right now that want to companion you. So let them in. That's my invitation. Jen, every conversation with you is a treat. <laughs> Ditto, uh, Mr. Gilkey. <laughs> I am so proud and happy for you for this book. Thank you. Um, and even if you can't see yourself being seen, mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of us out here who do see you and do appreciate the work that you're doing. So thanks so much. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. So you heard it from Jen. Where can you be companioned in your life right now? As you start figuring out what you want to get your bother on about, what's in your world that you want to change, that's calling you to change, and who, what, how can you be companioned to do that? Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.